Hello, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Thank you for listening to Talk Architecture Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Naziati Muhammad Yaqub, and I'm continuing part three of the topic on do we need the portfolio review? In particular, the focus today is on the final year, the design thesis project. If the design thesis is something like a doctoral thesis, where there is um, hypothesis, in this case, for architecture design, um, the best is to describe design problems rather than hypothesis. Design problems could be the closer to problem statement as in research, but design problem is specific to architecture. Now, design problem, it could be in a bigger scale or in a detailed design, like building a cabinet, for example. But building a cabinet uh, generically uh, with a non-design thesis um, a project is different than building a cabinet in a, just say, a micro-housing. Micro so, you know, micro-housing would have a different design problem than just building a cabinet anywhere, you know, in a generic way where you focus on just building the cabinet to be sold. Um, so, yeah, so when you have a design problem that's particular to the problem and the type of building or the type of situation that is encountered by a particular situation, correct? So in this case, um, when in the beginning there is research to be done and formulating um, the design problems and digging in and exploring. Sometimes this thing is a development. It's not just something that you um, find out in the beginning and is sorted that these are the design problems that you should tackle. So uh, beyond seven weeks or eight weeks, um, there could be encountered different design problems like in terms of the specific uh, typology um, of the design when you when you explore it further, meaning when you zoom in into the design further. And then when you have building integration or you have uh, identified that um, uh, the design problem is having a cross-ventilation for a high-rise building and there are some um, challenges that you don't have compared, that you do have compared to uh, designing cross-ventilation for a low-rise building, for example. So the student of architecture is new to the building type or new to this, this um, design process in the design thesis. So it's, so it's not really fair to actually um, grade design thesis like you grade the first year project until the fourth year project, where in those projects... Um, the students are given a brief that is designed by the lecturers. And this is for a, for something that I commonly find, okay? Um, there are instances where people, uh, where there are design, there are architectural design programs that um, challenges a student to design their brief um, in a very controlled situation. Uh, with guidelines, but in the design thesis, the students, um, they find out themselves these design problems. Now, it could be site-driven or it could be issue-driven 
or it could be <coughs> building type driven. A building type is more commonly found in all of this. When it says issue driven, meaning um, it is a more generic uh, prototyping. It's more prototyping, like uh, it's the design of a secondary school, and um, and it's to do with pedagogy, as to do with um, research in how um, you want to suit to the curriculum and or that um, educational pedagogy aims as issue problem. But when it comes to site-driven issues, uh, there's more of the demographics, there's more of the people, the context and the relationships at the site. And the site could be um, an area where the population or the demographics are low-income uh, earners or uh, urban poverty. You know, the issue could be urban poverty. And when you look into a, a secondary school design, it could be more about what the attitudes and uh, what people aspire the school to be like, you know. So, so it depends, really, um, for the design thesis to come up with the design problems and what is more important to tackle than what is less important to tackle. And this is how the student narrate. The student give, uh, tell a story and how they would tackle this problem. And that's been done for the whole 14 weeks. And until then, uh, at the end, uh, there is some sort of a tutor review of the student's work, and then that is done. So um, if a student is, um, goes to another panel uh, beyond the tutor's review, called the portfolio review, then... Um, then uh, those uh, the people who are in the panel do not know this program really well or only found out about the, about the program or read about the program. Um, at the end, um, a couple of hours or a day, getting acquainted with the program and doesn't know the students and the processes in detail. So... There should be diversity of a studio uh, uh, methodology or there should be a, a different approaches in studio philosophies in a school of architecture. There is um, somehow a need to control the final design thesis where um, the tutors who are having these different units or different groups of students that they supervise need to, um, you know, one of the things about the portfolio review is that the grades should be normalized or synchronized the, 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 the criteria for each studio, but they have different design, prop, different approaches in the, the studio philosophy. So how do you actually do that? You know, the grading system must be very flexible. So when there are criteria or gui guidelines to impose, um, how, how do you create this criteria and guidelines to impose? Uh, and how, when, when one's perception, when one is a portfolio review panel for the department and has a different perception of um, design thesis and does not um, 
does not agree with the studio philosophy, how does one, one insist that the, the student's grade should be downgraded or should fail just coming out of the blue like that, you know, whereby the student was engaged in this whole 14 weeks program of, um, of um, dealing in a specific way the design problems. So that is very demoralizing um, where um, uh, such a thing happened, where uh, what you, you have done so far, you've developed the design and then you presented it and, you th- and everything is according to planned and you've, you've, um, you've explored enough and you did, you did the learning of how to do that and suddenly you're being penalized for something that you totally out of your control really. So is, how is that fair in terms of learning? So what is an, a university uh, learning program? A university learning prob- program should be a fair um, course where, where it's set out in the beginning what is expected and the student fulfilled that expectation. And, um, you know, and... and uh, uh, resolved or um, or come up with or deliver the submission that is required and and got penalized for it is the worst thing that could happen to a student of architecture. So penalize one thing in terms of the grading, upgrading, downgrading. Upgrading is good, obviously. Sometimes it's not fair upgrading in a way that again the perception of the portfolio review panel when they. Um, uh, deem that the work is um, uh, should be upgraded is also wrong in a way because um, the studio tutor given a grade that um, at the end where where the student of architecture um, merit that grade in being with that student for 14 weeks and giving that grade and somebody else give a better grade um well, of course, the student should just take it in stride and, okay, that's great. I got it better grade. But I know in my heart that um, I didn't do as well as that grade. It's fine. I think I, we learn from that and we've gone through this process before. Now, I think upgrading is fine. You know, it's a surprise. Hello. Um, I didn't think I did well, but I did well. But downgrading is something else. There's two different issues. Um, why I, I, I talk about the design thesis is because, um, as I said earlier, design thesis is different than other projects. I said that you, the student come out with their own brief and they, um, they develop their own brief. They did their own research. Um, although there is collaboration with the studio tutors in terms of developing the brief, in terms of... Um, the um, progress or the learning in the studios day in, day out, uh, there is some collaboration. It could be um, from 50% to 100% collaboration. Uh, sorry, 70%. Totally not 100%. Uh, usually it's 50 to 70%. Collaboration is the good optimum collaboration um, that we discovered. So... Going back to this issue of portfolio review, is it necessary? So portfolio review is not necessary. Um, the way that it's been conducted, it shouldn't be con- conduct, 
if it is necessary, it should not be conducted like uh, the portfolio review for the lower years, one, year one to year four. I mean, one of the debate is uh, the level of skills and competencies. In the first year, you're setting out um, uh, to learn the basic foundation uh, of skills and knowledge and competencies. Um, and second year, in a way, developing one's identity um, to going to be an architect and picking up some of this narrative skills and more drawing skills, digital architecture and so on. And third year is a testimony of competencies, um, meaning that most of the drawing skills should be sorted out. So we could imagine that the first to the third year is um, straightforward, that if a portfolio review is done, it will... Uh, it's not so disruptive to the learning. It's not. Uh, it's. It could be justified, but when it comes to the fourth year um, and the fifth year, I would debate more about the fifth year. But the fourth year is similar to the fifth year in a way that is master of architecture is postgraduate course, and the best would be just to give satisfactory or unsatisfactory. Uh, at the end of the semester and, and less of a... Because what happens at the end of the semester helps with the program, helps with the learning that happens throughout the whole of the semester. If you face a semester of learning where you know at the end is either pass or fail, then you know the minimum what you should do and you know the maximum what you should I mean, you, you know that you can go more than minimum. You can go for the sky and you can explore. So you've covered the minimum and you go for whatever. And there'll be a commendation or there'll be um, an award that says uh, the best student or the best designer award based on the project. And the it forces the tutors to actually... Um, improve their understanding, it forces the tutors in the School of Architecture to actually understand what each program is about and the expectations that one should have. Of course, the drawing skills have to be great. And by this time, a lot of the students uh, would rely on digital architecture to present um, uh, drawing skills that are... Um, up to par because that's what it is, is needed in the, the office environment or the work work environment. So that is not a problem anymore in the sense that often by fourth year, students will be able to draw well. So that's not an issue like the issue in the first degree. So the issue now is the exploration, the identifying analytical and critical skills, identifying design problems and being critical of architecture, you know, being having that environment that actually helps with the learning, help to discover more things, help to start something, help, help to innovate or invent. So that's what postgraduate is about, really. If the fourth year is... Is some sort of a year where you receive 
students from other schools of architecture and you want everybody to have the similar skills by the fourth year, then you could argue that at least in the first semester, the second semester could be more explorative. Um, it could be more um, preparation for the design thesis. There could be more in terms of um, um, analytical and critical skills development. And then in the design thesis, it is like the beginning of an exploration for the rest. For the next few years, maybe they can take on this project into their doctoral degrees or into the practice. So we've said similar things before. And I think when you devise a curriculum, you start from the fifth year and the fourth year and you go downwards and, or upwards. You can't design a curriculum where you just stop at the end of fifth year. You actually have to consider the next three or four years where the student of architecture should be, uh, what they want to do, how, what they want to develop. Because um, in light of the issue of uh, employment as well, um, of, of how many people be is going to be an architect at the end of the day and less, less graduates are interested to be an architect, like traditionally what you think an architect is. Uh, I've said it before in another venue for me who who's uh, who started architecture in 1980 uh, compared to somebody who started who was born in 1987 and started architecture later my um, batch 60% of us became architects but this person's batch She's now 34, 35 years old compared to me, and uh, which is like how many years younger, 25 years younger. And for her batch, only 30% of her batchmates became architects. So, so what did they become? Maybe they become academics, or maybe they go into a design-related field, maybe a construction or property management or other similar um, design-related vocation at the end of the day. There could be a few which totally goes differently or become business person. So how do we actually tackle the architecture design curriculum? When, when we interviewed some artists, uh, some business person who came out of architecture school, um, why they decided to go differently, um, they would say that. But architecture school taught them a lot. And architectural, architectural school was, was uh, helped them to, to think like case studies or architecture school had this more of the social interactions or justifying of the problem or justifying the design. So that it helps them in, in business or, or, and so on, yeah? So... This, we should look into the design curriculum and how uh, it would help the human being who graduate from architecture school to explore themselves or to 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 be interested in the design related aspects of, the, of architecture. So architecture is not uh, something that is um, looking inside or or 
or in a way I like to say the word predictable, as it was predictable 40 years ago, maybe. You know, architecture has, is, is need to grow. And why I like to debate about this in another podcast would be to debate about how architecture um, has not developed as fast as the other architecture. The architecture that deals with information technology, Internet of Things, artificial intelligence, anything to do with um, system, which is to do with computerization or to do with digitalization. So that has architecture too. And um, in universal design, for example, the functional aspects of architecture is developed more advanced than the built environment architecture for universal design for the for the um, user interface stroke user experience in digital architecture the functional side of digital architecture is more advanced than the physical architecture in architecture per se and that has to be pushed by legal um, legal means or that has to be pushed by activists, disability activists, and the demands from the population to make architecture more universal design or consideration and empathy for users. So architecture has to improve leaps and bounds in the operations of it, in the functional aspects of it, and it's not just illustration on a computer, um, which is what being praised a lot in architecture school. I mean, you would do this service to the student by saying to the student, I want a wow design, meaning I want the design to say wow, you know, more colors and stuff like that. It seems like it's fashion design or stylistic design rather than um, a much more introspective, a much more reflective, a much more theoretical uh, exploration of the design problems. So the, therefore, um, architecture needs to, to have a look at itself. And those who are protagonists in architecture, those who are involved with architecture, um, to really see where we are at the moment, where we should be going. And the crux of the problem is in the assessment of architectural design problem, program because that, that influence the studio design pro program and how one should teach or one should create the learning environment for the students, what projects to be offered and so on. So in that case, this is the conclusion um, thus far and I think for now on the portfolio review and how it is um, something that is needed. If you still insist on the portfolio review, 
it should it should be not just to verify the grades. Um, it's not just a quantitative exercise on looking at the work done and upgrading and downgrading willy-nilly. And it should not be something that counter or against what has been done by the tutors 14 weeks earlier in terms of the development of the student. We should take positives from what the tutors did and give them the bigger leverage, the bigger, the, the more power to negotiate in a portfolio review. And it should be more justice in terms of the review process um, so that we can learn from it and continue to improve the curriculum and the studio programs thereafter. Therefore, we should not allow the portfolio review to be just um, an exercise to the, the objective or the aim of it is not to make it easy for us to to justify the grades, but it is a process that justifies the whole program, the whole learning program that has been done earlier uh, towards improvement further. So thank you very much for listening to this episode and the episodes before on in part one and part two of Do We Really Need the Portfolio Review? Okay, thank you very much. See you again in another podcast.